0: That there's a subculture of people who are just totally into the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovatovich of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this every year when I put out my hall ballot, and believe me, I am no different than any of the other roughly 500 voters, you get inundated by a lot of the same people who are just obsessed with this. And I'm talking about on social media, primarily Twitter. Because while I'll open up their timelines... And I'll see, that's all it's about. Like this wasn't, they just had a moment. These people are into this 365 days a year. And this time of year is like their Super Bowl. They plan out who's going to track which ballots they try to project as they're getting the ballots that are publicly released, which ones are on pace to get the needed 75%, which ones are on pace to be wiped off the ballot the following year if they don't get the requisite 5%. It's amazing. I'm not going to lie. I think it's really, really like, oh, insert adjective here. It's something, okay? And I put out my ballot a couple days ago. As you guys know, I shared it with you here on Daily Shot. And the reaction I got was, I mean, it was the, a lot of the usual, uh, you're, you know, you're an idiot, uh, give up your vote, uh, stick to this sport or that sport that isn't baseball. Um, how can you vote for this guy whenever you already elected Ty Cobb, as if I was somehow participating in this process in 1936, that kind of stuff. But I'll also say in a more serious vein that the biggest point of contention was David Ortiz. We've all gotten past the Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens arguments and so forth. That's been going on for a decade and a half as far as the Hall of Fame is concerned for either of those guys and any other cheaters. And even though Bonds and Clemens and a couple other cheaters are in their last year of eligibility and thus will be thrown off the writer's ballot next year, we've said pretty much all we can say. We've taken the positions we've taken and we're probably not gonna change them and neither of those guys is gonna get voted in as you'll find out when this is done. But Ortiz, this is the shiny new toy, and Ortiz is now the driver of a lot of the narratives about this, including some that are significantly misguided. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Ortiz has every numerical qualification you could want to be in the hall, so let's get past that part of it and look instead at what would be something that would disqualify him. And that, of course, would be, first and foremost, cheating. In 2003, he showed up on the Mitchell Report as having tested positive for some banned substance. This didn't become public until the New York Times listed names in 2009, six years later. And by the time that they did that, the information that went into The original Mitchell report, the data, the samples, the specimens, all of which were collected anonymously, by the way, were gone. There was nothing else that you could track or follow or trace. We had no idea what it was that anyone who would have shown up on that list used, whether it was over-the-counter, whether it was something that it might have been banned at the time, but not later, flat-out don't know. So there's no way of being able to say, okay, Ortiz took this, and Ortiz was wrong, and therefore he deserved to be on this list. He cheated, and that's that. Never happened. What's more, 13 of those tests, and there were 104 in that group, turned out to be false positives. And it's possible, though again not known, that Ortiz would have been one of those 13 false positives. 10%. But we don't know. Since then, no less an authority, and I don't even mean this respectfully, I'm just talking about his place in baseball, than Rob Manfred has stated publicly that Ortiz's name never should have come out, that he really shouldn't be considered guilty of anything if that's all the evidence that anyone has, because it isn't evidence. There's nothing there. There's no smoking gun of any kind. This was Manfred saying this in 2016 in an interview with USA Today. It was extraordinary. No one still can recall any event in which the commissioner of baseball went to bat, so to speak, for someone who had showed up on any of these lists. Also since then, T.J. Quinn, the investigative reporter for ESPN who was breaking stories left and right around the time that steroids were actually going on, because counter to public misperception, reporters actually were reporting on these things when it was happening. They just weren't really being digested much publicly. T.J. Quinn himself said in an interview... Last month, with WEEI in Boston, that it's, and I quote directly, crap that Ortiz would be connected to steroids in any way based on this and how slim it is. He also tore into the idea that anyone would put Ortiz at a level with Bonds and Clemens and other guys for whom there is voluminous evidence that they cheated, whether it's documents or interviews or samples. Nothing else ever showed up for Ortiz. So where do we go with this? Well, it's not good enough to just judge Ortiz on his own merits. We have to judge the writers. So you start getting, uh, you're just going to vote Ortiz in because he was big poppy and a nice guy and something, something Boston media when in fact, every player, every individual, including Bonds and Clemens, deserves to have their case fully heard, fully examined, before they're accused of anything, much less losing a Hall vote. I heard something back from one of this crew that I was describing Uh, That's, you know, crazy about Hall of Fame votes saying it doesn't feel to me like you've definitively proven that Ortiz didn't take steroids. I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. That's the burden that someone has to definitively prove that he didn't. No, it's the other way around. This is the United States. You're innocent until proven guilty. The burden of proof is the other way around. But that's how convoluted this discussion has become. Ortiz, nice guy. Bonds, jerk. Therefore, everyone wants to vote Ortiz in. nuts. I've never met Ortiz in my life. I couldn't care less if he's Mother Teresa. My only dealings with Bonds, he was great. Funny guy, had me laughing. In particular, one time we hooked up in San Francisco one-on-one, and it was a blast. Also doesn't matter. At all. I couldn't care less. He cheated. He violated the character clause that the hall put in, and that's that. There's nowhere near enough anything for me to not give or tease my hall vote if I feel he deserved it as a baseball player. And he did. This isn't that complicated. But when you become like These people are, and I don't mean to make it sound like there's a zillion of them. This might be a dozen at the most, but wow, they are everywhere. And this is what happens when you get so into something and your mind is so made up that you lose any and all objectivity that they say things like, I find your ballot acceptable, or I don't find Who the heck are these people to be determining what's acceptable? for a vote because it doesn't match theirs, you know, and I'd say the same thing for myself if I criticize somebody else's ballot saying it's not acceptable because you didn't take the exact same four players that I did on my ballot. I don't do that. One person, one vote. What matters about this process that also gets lost, by the way, by these people, and the only thing that matters is the final result. And I will stack baseball's results against those of football and hockey any day of the week. And in football and hockey, by the way, they're done by much, much smaller select groups that involve some writers, but not many. In hockey, none. And you look at some of the guys who get in who don't deserve it, some of the guys who you know found a way to get in through processes you don't even want to know about. The baseball process isn't perfect, but the baseball results are better than those of any other sport. When we come back, Just One Question. Welcome back. Time for Just One Question. And today's comes from Joe, who asks, do the Bucs really let Bubba Chandler play both ways? Why not just tell him to be the best pitcher he can be, since that's where the Pirates lack most of the high upside prospects? Uh, Joe, there's a lot of different ways I can answer this one, but I'll start with this. When you have someone who's capable, genuinely capable, of doing both things as Chandler has shown to be, you're not about to limit him, certainly not at this stage of life when he's still a teenager. You're going to let him do both until one of them starts defining the other, or, you know, you just let him keep going. I'm reminded, as I'm sure a lot of listeners are, even as we're talking about this of John Van Benskoten, when when JVB came out of College, he was the NCAA's home run leader, and the Pirates were roundly mocked for insisting immediately that he had to be a pitcher. Uh, Something, you know, only the Pirates would do this and this and this. And this was uh, the Dave Littlefield regime when this occurred. And of course, Johnny, great kid, great, great kid, one of my favorite people I've ever covered, Uh, had to basically become a pitcher as a professional that's a that's a heck of an ask and he'd always questioned what would have happened if he had just remained a position player and he'd hit the ball because You can look now at his frame, and you can look at some things, if you'll recall him at the plate. He didn't look like this was some great slugger that anybody was missing out on, but that's not fair because he would have conditioned himself differently. He would have focused more on strength and bulking up, and he would have had a smoother, more major league-looking swing than he did and might have been all right, whereas as a pitcher, he couldn't find home plate. Johnny had the stuff. Uh, he had an arsenal. He definitely had a fastball. Didn't matter. Couldn't find the plate. It was excruciating at times to watch. He has today, today still the highest ERA in franchise history. And and that sucks because that's not necessarily on him. So if I'm Ben Charrington and I'm Doing my development the way Ben likes to speak of it, which is player-centric, everything focused on the individual player, don't force uh, you know, shapes that don't belong into predetermined holes. Let him do his thing. What's the harm? You can find a way to customize his usage in the minors so that you're not wearing him down, so that you're not wearing the arm down, so that you're keeping the bat active, so that you're keeping him active enough in the field doesn't hurt anybody. Doesn't hurt anybody. He can still very much focus on pitching, whether it's every fifth day, whether it's out of the pen. He can still do that. And if and when the day comes that one of these talents begins to really escalate above the other, it's not all that unlike people who are switch hitters. You're a switch hitter until you aren't. You're a switch hitter until you've got a hundred points better average from one side than you do the other. So you just do it until you can't anymore. No big deal. No big deal. I wouldn't worry about that, and I feel obligated to throw this in, too, since you brought it up. I would never, never make a decision on any prospect based on organizational need at a given position or your depth chart. Never ever do that. That's stuff that kills minor league systems. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one on Monday.